Um, a gentleman by the name of Eric Eshoff was um, arrested because he took the SAT, thank you, took the SAT for six students. How many of you have taken the SAT, ACT test before? All right. So this guy took the test for six other students, and they knew that something was up because these students were average students, but they all aced the SAT. And so those students, those six, got fined, and uh, he is serving a four-year jail sentence as we speak. Wow. So that was, you know, not a good thing, right? So why do you do that? Why would these students hire him for $2,000 a test to take the SAT for him? Because they wanted an unfair advantage. In 2001, Martha Stewart was accused of insider trading. She was worth about $700 million at the time, and for some illegal information, she tried to save herself $45,000. Cost her a lot of money. They did not arrest, they did not convict her of insider trading. They did convict her, though, of um, basically perjury, lying under oath, and she goes to jail. She went to jail for several years. Why did she do that? She wanted an unfair advantage. NFL starts in about three months. Are you excited about that, or is that, that a good thing for you? Yeah, good. Some of the wives are booing. Some of the guys are going great. So football starts again, and I did some research on teams that cheat. Now, why would a team cheat? Because they want an unfair advantage, right? So the teams that cheat, so I, I, I you know, I'm a Colts fan, so, you know, I, I looked up the Patriots first, you know, and, and so... I, I think Patriot fans might get to go to heaven. I'm not real sure about that. But, but I looked up the Patriots to see on the list of 32 teams where they would fall. And there's a whole bunch of things that, that apply to the cheat sheet. Now, this is kind of surprising. This is where the Patriots fell. The Patriots were actually 17. 17 out of 32. So I said, well, my bucks, my bucks are going to be much, much higher you know, really much lower because they won't cheat as much, but the Bucks were actually 16. So the Colts, you know, hardworking Midwestern Indiana people, the Colts have to be, you know, way down there, 31, 32. I was shocked. It's got to be an error. It's got to be a, a mathematical. And the number one team who cheats more than anybody else, the highest cheat score of all the teams are the Denver Broncos. Any Broncos fans uh, in the room? All right. Raise your hand again. A little higher. Yeah. yeah. Let's serve them communion again, okay? Now, here are the top five teams. I just thought for kicks and giggles, this is kind of cool to see just the top five teams. Broncos, number one. The Jets, number two. Steelers, a lot of Steelers fans in this room, huh? And then the Colts, I, I think that's a, that can't be true. That can't be right. And then the Giants are, are, are number five. Now, what, what, what is an unfair advantage? An unfair advantage means that nobody else can have it. You want something over somebody else that nobody else can have. Well, ironically, the Apostle Paul talks about an advantage, not an unfair advantage, but he talks about an advantage that you can have in your life. So we're going to talk about that today because this advantage can help you in business, can help you in life, can help you in love. Everybody in the room needs 
direction. Everybody in the room needs help with solving problems. Everybody in the room needs to know what to do with some people in your life. Should these people move toward me? Should I move away from Everybody in the room has got to figure out how to go through life and how to do life. You have an advantage, an advantage over everything and everybody else. And Paul can't wait to talk about that advantage. And so we're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 16 this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, he starts off kind of like in the middle of a sentence. And you have to back up to know where he started. So the very last verse of the first chapter is the springboard. And the very last verse of the first chapter is a quote from, from Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24. And Jeremiah says, listen, if you're going to boast... You boast about the Lord. You want to brag about who you are? You, you, want, you want to boast about your relationship with God. And so Jeremiah says, let not the rich man boast of his riches. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the strong man boast of his strength. But if you're going to brag, you brag that you know me, that I am a God who exercises kindness, justice, and mercy. And so the very first verse then starts off, and we, we, like, we can almost miss the context. And so he said, and so it was with me. The so is, I'm going to brag about God. I'm not going to tell you how great I am, but I, Paul, am coming into this city, and I want to tell you about something that's an advantage for your life. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with elegance or human wisdom. Now, they were all into these philosophers, and they were into all these big-time speech people and speech teachers, and so they would go and they would wax elegance and try to outdo the other guy, and this guy would try to have a more powerful speech than the other guy, and Paul's going, I'm not doing that. I've got a very simple message that will flat change your life forever. When I came to you, I didn't come with elegance or human wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was Paul's message. Everybody else has got this lofty philosophical 27 points to their religion, but not Paul. He's got one point. It's all about the cross. It's all about God coming off of heaven, coming out of heaven, to you. Now, every other religion is what you do to earn your way to salvation. Paul is saying, you can't earn your salvation. You can't do enough good deeds. You can't give away enough money. You can't help enough old ladies across the street to earn your salvation. You can't do it. The way that you become a Christian, the way that you get your sins forgiven, the way that you get to go to eternal life is Christ and the cross. So that was Paul's message. Jesus came to save you. Jesus came to give his life for you. Jesus came to shed his blood for you. And Paul's message was the cross, the cross, the cross, the power of the cross. I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. I've struggled with this verse this last week because I'm not sure I quite understand the verse, to be totally honest with you. Because Paul could hold his own in every context. In Acts chapter 17, Paul stands up, blows everybody away with his ability to reason and to think. So I I think that maybe this verse is he's more concerned that they won't accept the message. 
They might not receive the, the power of the cross. They'll get lost or confused in all the philosophy that's going on around them. And so I think Paul's like, I'm, I'm trembling because I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to have this great relationship with Christ. And so maybe that's the point. But my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. That's not that Paul didn't know those 50-cent words. He just didn't use them. It's not that Paul didn't have a fantastic mind and, and, and vocabulary. It's just he wasn't going to use them. He was going to be as clear and as clean as he could. But I came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I want you to see what God can do. I want you to see the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're a student in the room, maybe you're too young to remember the preaching of Billy Graham. You can go Google it. You can YouTube it and watch one of those old episodes. But how many of you in the room, you've watched Billy Graham on TV? You've been to a, to a crusade? You've seen him sometime in, in your life? And, and he had what the old timers call that unction. Billy Graham had that powerful unction, that, that Holy Spirit. And when he spoke, it's like God was just reeling you in. And you could, you could like feel that. And today, if you listen to Charles Swindoll, and I know these are older guys. These are guys in their mid-80s. Charles Swindoll's in his mid-80s. And Charles Stanley, I, I watch them occasionally. These guys are my heroes, man. They're preaching powerfully in their mid-80s. These guys are studs in their mid-80s preaching the gospel. And, and there's a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And Paul is saying, that's what you want. In your home, in your church, in your connect group, you want a demonstration of God's Spirit. When I was younger, preacher, I, I would like talk people into becoming Christians. I'd meet with them at a restaurant or a coffee shop. This was like before Starbucks. I would meet with them, and I, I could pretty much talk them into becoming a Christian, or I could talk somebody in to, to being baptized. The problem with that is, if I can talk somebody into something, somebody else can what? Exactly. They can talk them out of it. And what Paul is saying is, I'm not going to talk you into anything. I want you to be overwhelmed with the message of the cross. I want you to feel the power of this demonstration of God's Spirit. And so that's, that's just, just powerful when that happens. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Now, we all know this. The message, then, must be accepted, embraced, and secured. Everybody in the room knows if you have a good idea and the idea is accepted, but it's never embraced, it's never secured, your idea is going nowhere. You have an idea to start walking. You need to walk. It's a great idea, right? But it never gets embraced. It'll never happen. You have an idea that maybe you need to lose weight. Great idea. Or you you want, want to start exercising. It's an idea. But until the idea is embraced, until the idea is secured, it never goes anywhere, right? You have a business idea, great business idea, great thought, but it doesn't go anywhere until it gets embraced, until it gets secured. It's exactly the same with your faith. You watch a young mom who makes a decision that she's going to be all in as a mother. She's not just going to accept the fact that she's pregnant. She's not just going to accept the fact that she's given birth to him or her. She's embracing this, and she is deep roots into motherhood. I would rather face a bear than a mother like this because I got a better chance with the bear than I do with the mother, right? A woman who's all in as a mom, she's passionate about it. 
Those of you in the room, your dads, you've moved from here to here to here. You're all in. And many of you in this room, this has exactly been your, your journey. You got out this morning on a day that's raining. You could have slept in. You could have made an excuse. But you've not just accepted the fact that Jesus loves you. You've not just accepted the fact that the Bible talks about this. You want to embrace your faith. And you want to have some roots that go down deep to be secured deep into your heart. He says, we don't speak that kind of a message where you can't, like, embrace it. We don't speak some high, lofty, philosophical stuff that you can't understand. No, however, we do speak a message of wisdom, though, among the mature. And again, I think that's who's in the room this morning. You want to mature in your faith. You want to grow in your faith or you wouldn't be here on a morning like this. So he says, I got a message for you. And the message where he's leading you to is you're going to have an advantage. The message where he's driving to this morning is you will have an advantage that you could never dream or never imagine. We speak a message of wisdom, and I haven't told you what it is yet, that advantage. We're coming to it among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Isn't it interesting when a ruler's in power, that ruler seems to be so ominous and so intimidating, but after a little while, you see that those rulers, these are like the five ugliest people in the entire, you know, ever, ever been created. But, but you, you see this, and you're like, like these are rulers who came to not, and, and these guys, th- their time is limited, right? Who's the first guy? Sodom. Hussein. Okay, all six of you remember him. Okay, all right. Who's this guy? Osama bin Laden. You remember the guy from Libya? Muammar Gaddafi. These were big and bad, powerful rulers. These guys were rulers and they intimidated, and they brutally murdered and butchered people, and they were the rulers of this age. And Paul is saying, I'm going to tell you something. The message of the cross endures forever. The message of the cross changes lives. The message of the cross sets you up for eternal success. The powerful rulers of this age, they don't get the message of the cross. They think life's all about them. Who's this guy? What country is he from right now? He's on the news occasionally, isn't he? And this guy, we need to take this guy out, all right? Now, don't tell anybody I said that, all right? And what'd you learn at church? My pastor said, take out all the bad guys. Don't, don't repeat that at the water cooler uh, tomorrow. These are rulers of the age who will come to, I mean, their time is limited. Their time is limited. And can you imagine the eternity of destruction for these five men? All big and bad and powerful. We get him out of a hole, right? All big and bad and powerful. He's hiding over there in Pakistan. All big and bad and powerful. And we took him out. Praise the Lord. Anyway, we declare a wisdom. We declare God's wisdom. It's a mystery. It's a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Now, I want you to get this verse, okay? Look at it again. No, we're not, we're not talking about the rulers of this age, 
No, we're not intimidated about all this lofty philosophical stuff. We're not talking about all these complex religious systems. We, we just preach about the cross. We preach about the power of the cross. But there's a mystery. Now, we're coming to your advantage. And a mystery just means that in the Old Testament, God kind of hid it until his redemptive plan was ready to reveal it today. So in the Old Testament, this mystery was hidden, but today the mystery is revealed. It's destined for our glory even before time began. So this isn't plan B. God didn't go, oops, this isn't working. I better come up with something else. No, this was here for all of eternity. None of the rulers of this age understood it. Pilate didn't understand it. Caiaphas didn't understand it. Annas didn't understand it. For if they had, they would not have crucified Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Now, this is a verse that's been misappropriately communicated for years and years and years. Most people think this verse talks about heaven. It does not talk about only heaven. It talks about your life today. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. He explains the verse. These are the things that God has revealed to us by the advantage. Here's your advantage, the spirit. So what is he saying here? He's saying to you, what your eye can't see, the spirit can What your ear can't hear and pick up, the Spirit can. What your mind can't figure out, the Spirit can. And the Spirit has all these things in store for you. All these things in store for your life today. What no eye has seen, God's going to give you vision. When you can't hear something, know what to do, God's going to give you clarity. When your mind can't figure something out, God's going to assist you to be able to problem solve. You have an advantage You have this amazing advantage inside of you called the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God hid in this holy of holies place for a long time. You know what God does today? He hides His Spirit inside of every person who's a believer. Every Christian, every person that's given their lives to Christ... He has now hidden his Holy Spirit inside of you. And he's going, <clears throat> I'm here. <clears throat> you want to ask me something? I'm here. I'm available for you. We haven't come to the application yet. That's the mystery. That's the mystery that's been revealed is a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. So no wonder you're driving sometimes. And the Holy Spirit says, pray for him. Would you text her? Would you send them an email? Would you drop by their house? The Holy Spirit's going to you, hey, you know what? You want to solve this problem? You want to know what to do next? I will reveal to you. These are the things that God has revealed to us by His Spirit. And the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So what does God then do? He uses all of your experiences, the good, like a Clint Eastwood movie, the good, bad, and the ugly. Okay? He uses all of your experiences. Because he has this divine plan for you, and he wants to use you to make this incredible difference. And then he kind of goes into a little bit more depth about the human spirit and the Holy Spirit. He says, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? 
How many times a day do you talk to yourself? Neuroscientists say that we talk to ourselves all day long. Some of you talk out loud to yourself, right? I talk out loud to myself. How many of you talk out loud to yourself? Okay. The rest of you do too. You're just embarrassed. Okay. <laughs> I'm in the bathroom. You're going to say, who are you talking to? I'm talking to me. You know, I don't know. It's just me and God. I don't know. But, but you know that because you can feel that spirit within you. And when you become a believer, the Holy Spirit now basically baptizes your human spirit, comes around your human spirit, and the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. And the Holy Spirit's way ahead of you and way deeper. So he's just talking about the human spirit speaking to yourself. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God can help you hear help you see, and help you think far beyond what you could ever dream or imagine. And the Holy Spirit inside of you is whispering to your human spirit, helping you to do all the things that you need to do. This is incredible. What we have received is not the spirit of this world. Culture talks to you. Culture says, drink, 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 and then when you become an alcoholic, Culture discards you and says, how in the world could you have become an alcoholic? Culture says, borrow, 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 borrow. And then once you go into bankruptcy, culture discards you and says, how in the world could you have been so foolish to become bankrupt? Culture tempts all of us, sexual temptations everywhere, all the time, and you fall into some either adultery or some perversion. How in the world could you have done this? Culture is constantly trying to to tempt you, and once it's got us, culture then will discard you and throw you away. We have not received, what we received is not the spirit of culture. No. We've received the spirit who is from God. The temple was destroyed. Jesus said in John 14 and John 16, it is for your good that I go away. If I go away, I will send the comforter, the counselor inside of you. Where has God chosen to hide his spirit today? Inside of you and me. And so we have this incredible advantage so that we may understand what God has already freely given us. This is what we speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom. Oh, no, 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 not human wisdom but in words taught by the Spirit who's already inside of you whispering things to you all day long so that you no eye has seen, no mind can conceive, no ear can hear. He's doing all that, but he reveals these things by his Spirit. But in words taught by the Spirit explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. God's helping you to understand spiritual realities in your context, in your business, in your marriage, in your singleness, in you going to school, in you going to work, God is explaining spiritual realities by the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. What an advantage you have. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. We've all experienced that. Try having a conversation with somebody who has no concept of why you serve or why you give, or why you pray, 
or why you go visit somebody in the hospital, or why you drive an hour to a funeral to go help somebody, or why you mentor kids. We, we, we teach 33 music lessons every Monday night to the Youth Sheriff's Ranch. I don't, but our teams do. People who have the spirit of, don't have the Spirit of God, why in the world would you waste your time with those kids? They don't get it, do they? But the Spirit speaks spiritual truths with spiritual realities all the time in your life. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. you got family members that think you're crazy. Well, some of you may be, you know, I don't know. But, 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 but they think you're crazy because you love Jesus. And you've given Jesus Christ your whole heart. You've given Jesus your life. This is what he says. And they cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. And so the Spirit, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive the great things God has in store for you, but they are revealed to you by His Spirit. And so let's talk. Because you have an advantage. You have this amazing advantage in business, in love, and in life. I want to tell you about two friends of mine. One, he travels a lot, sometimes has to even travel out of the country, and is in Japan. And he'll be in a board room, a board meeting with all these different people, and they're basically Buddhist. And they're trying to solve problems with the company, and it's pretty intense. And you know what he said to me? He said, I got an advantage over everybody in the room. When we can't figure out a problem, we can't solve something, he said, I just start praying. Holy Spirit, reveal this to me. And he's got the ideas, and he's got the answers, and God gives him those answers. He's an, he is enabled to problem solve. And he says, I have an advantage over all the, the guys that don't know Jesus in, in my company. There's a woman that is a businesswoman here in, our, in, our, in Clearwater, great businesswoman, very, very successful. And she says, you know what, I, I don't know how to solve some of these issues. I just started asking God because she said, you know what, the Holy Spirit's inside of me, and because the Holy Spirit's inside of me, I already have the answers. He's going to reveal to me exactly how to solve all of these different problems. So, so what if tomorrow... Instead of in business, you're freaking out about something. You said, okay, I, I got this problem. I, I need to solve this problem. Who in the room doesn't have problems? And we're all solving problems. And honestly, your ability to be successful in life determines about how well you problem solve. And, and I'm looking at a whole lot of leaders in this room. A lot of leaders in this room right now as I speak. And what's so, I mean, there's teachers, there's coaches, there's police officers, there's military, there's uh, uh, medical, business owners, small business owners, large business owners. Not that you're large, but you own a large business, okay? Large, large business. And, and, and what, what, you're problem solving. This is what leaders do. Leaders solve problems. And your ability to be successful in life always is always determined by your ability to put a problem solve. What about in love? Should I date him? Should I not date him? Holy Spirit, should, should, I, should I text her? Should I ask for her phone number? Should, should I not ask for her phone number? We, we've been dating now for a, a, a while, three or four months. 
Where is this going? Should, should we go forward? Is it time to punt? Why wouldn't you ask the Holy Spirit that? You have this, un, that's not unfair, because if it was unfair, it would be only a few people could have it. Everybody can have it. You have this advantage that's inside of you. And in life, everybody in this room wants protection. We always want to pray for physical protection, don't we? I pray for protection for me, for Danita, um, for my kids, for my son-in-law, for my future son-in-law. I pray for this every single day. I pray, pray for protection. But I also pray for direction because everybody needs direction. And, and just because you got clarity in one season of life doesn't mean now that you mature into the next season of life that you have the same direction. There may be a different direction that the Heavenly Father wants you to be in or wants you to take. So you've got this advantage about, about problem solving. And what about people in your life? You can't get away from people. There's, we're people, 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 people. The Holy Spirit, if you're asking, will move you away from certain people. And he will move you to some other people. If you're asking, the Holy Spirit will go, you know what? Bad company corrupts good morals. That's not a good situation. That's not a good avenue for you to take. On the other hand, God opens doors and puts different people in your life. And I call those kingdom connections. What are the kingdom connections that you want or you need in your particular life? You have something that's been hidden until Jesus died. You have something that if you tap into this every single day, in every single event of your life, whether it's life, whether it's love, whether it's business, whether it's problem solving, whether it's people. See, what happens is in the world, the world will say, that job looks great. And the Holy Spirit's going, can we talk about this? In the world, that, that house looks great. Go buy it. And the Holy Spirit's going, eh, it does look good, but can, can, can we talk about this? And, and conversely, the Holy Spirit will do the same thing. Maybe that house doesn't look so good. But the Holy Spirit's going, yes, that's where I want you. I want you to impact your neighbors. You just listen. A job that looks not so great, that's exactly the job I want you to take. You have an advantage in life, in love, and in business that if we tap into this, there's no limit to the great things that God can do in you and through you. So here's what he says. We got the mind of Christ. We're going to embrace the mind of Christ. But there's always a price to pay for the advantage. It's that idea that just can't be accepted. It has to be embraced. It has to be secured. I think you're already there. I think you already know that. I think that's why, again, you got up this morning in the rain and you came to church because your faith is taking root. And you have to decide if it's worth it. And again, I think you've made that decision. So tomorrow morning, as you're driving on US 19, Holy Spirit, protect me, okay? (laughs) Tomorrow morning is maybe you're going to summer school or you're doing summer school online. Holy Spirit, I got a bunch of problems I need to solve today. Who in the room doesn't have a plethora of problems that we want divine inspiration and divine leadership on? Who in the room doesn't want God to direct us away from people that shouldn't be in our life and direct us to people that should be? We we all want that. And so he's saying to you, he's saying to me, I've given you this amazing advantage if you'll just lean in and accept 
and receive me. So the team's going to come out right now and sing this amazing song called Holy Spirit, You Are Welcome Here. And um, obviously it applies to church, but it really applies to you. It applies to your heart and your life. And so um, if you would, stand up right now. We're going to sing this song, Holy Spirit, You Are Welcome Here. I'm going to ask you now, as, as you're singing this worship song, I'm going to ask you to personalize today's message. Where do you need clarity? In business? In life? In love? Where do you need the most right now? Holy Spirit, you're welcome. You're welcome here. Teach me. Show me. Speak to me. Lead me. Give me clarity. Give me direction. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Let's worship with all our hearts.